You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of FoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hi, Savannah. Hey, Julie. How are you? I'm good. I, I well, I, I, I feel sad for my daughter because we went to Starbucks and she had this gift card that she got and she was very excited. And mm-hmm. so she ordered the bacon Gouda and they said, yeah, everything's fine. And I got this delicious paradise refresher drink. And then we get up there and they just to find out that they are. So they were sold out of the bacon Gouda. Like, it's just, she's crying. And I'm just like, (laughs) before we even went, I was just like, all right, what's your backup? Be prepared, Mm. you know, but but it, it still feels like the same sad story. Very sad. You know, it's very sad when when a place doesn't have the thing you love the most I at know. that place or from that place. Or um, your second runner-up. <laughs> well, I almost almost don't have a second runner-up when it comes to food at Starbucks. It's either the sausage cheddar um, egg mm-hmm. sandwich, whatever they call that. And if they don't have that, I'll be like, eh, nothing then. <laughs> I'll just go with my drink. I, I don't have a second, not even a bacon Gouda or the egg bites or anything like that. It's like uh, just nothing measures up to the first one. So I don't even bother. I know. I don't even bother. Just like I go know, home but sad. this, have you tried the the paradise drink? No. I, that's why I was I saw you hold it up before we went on air and I was very yeah. curious. What is in it? What is it all about? Well, it has a pineapple delicishness okay. it, it tastes like pineapple and i tried like the pineapple refresher okay in the past in the recent past and it was just too like syrupy sweet almost mm. okay. and so my hairdresser said try the paradise drink it 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 comes with coconut milk oh. so it balances out that sweet yeah and it is such a dream it tastes <laughs> smooth and I have to say, I'm going to add it to the list. Okay. I'll add it to my list as well. Um, I have been toying with the idea, uh, toying, mind you, with the idea of doing something different than I do because I just have a way too much espresso in my drinks. So I will also, I'm writing this down right now as we talk. It's called the Paradise, oh, Paradise Drink. Okay. And my list is a little bit different. My list is like specific to, this is really gross. And I think we've talked about this before, but like if all my bodily, like if all the fluids that came out from me, like every fluid that could possibly come out of a human person okay, taste and smell like something, this would be it. This would be number two on the list. Number one is this Trader Joe's sparkling mango wine. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We talked about that in the past. I think you were even uh, slurping it up during an on-air, if I recall, back in the day. Slurping it up? But that was specific to my 
down theirs. <laughs> and did I talk about that on the podcast? I don't know. I don't oh my know. God, this is so embarrassing for you, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm easily embarrassed. I'm like, all right, we're talking about this now. It's all good. Oh, we're talking about this. So <laughs> I am very refreshed on all levels. Okay. My chakras or chakras, apparently, as they're supposed to be called, my mm. chakras are in a line and I okay. am totally lit, I guess. Okay. I think it's kind of cool, you know, the whole Eastern Western medicine and and realizing that huh, maybe, maybe there is something about, for me personally, maybe there is something about taking two approaches and using both when it comes mm-hmm. to your optimal wellness care package, I guess. I, I agree with that. One has been around for a thousand years and other ones have been around for, let's call it 200 years. Um, and while one may seem very ancient and out of place, I definitely feel that um, Eastern medicine has its place, whether it be acupuncture or Reiki or even like pulling toxins out from the bottom of the, the feet. Mm-hmm. It's like these things happen and they work. And so I don't think any of us should poo poo alternatives to going to our, our primary care physician. <laughs> Right. Anyway, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I'm in total agreement with that as my body falls apart. But uh, one day I'll get myself back together. (laughs) But we, we, yes, what topic today? No, we don't. No, we do. No, I thought we were just chatting. (laughs) Should I be recording this? Okay. (laughs) Beep, 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 beep. Let's get back on the road. (laughs) We (laughs) recording in session. Exactly. There we go. Now we're on air. Okay, great. Uh, We (laughs) knew that we were with everyone. Oh, okay. (laughs) Silly. Um, So this topic actually came about because I was a couple of weekends back at my nephew's birthday party. Okay. And so Scott's brother's wife has a sister. Are you all listening? Has a sister who (laughs) married this guy named James who is just like fabulous and just whenever it's so far removed it's like my sister-in-law's brother-in-law okay anywho <laughs> um whenever we see each other we like get along so great when he comes it's just like my theater geek self just we're in just total harmony our, mm. our sense of humor are very much in alignment and like okay. He, he has a magnetic energy that I just love. So he was at the pool party and there was a lot of people around and we were just kind of talking and then we were talking more as a group and he was like, no, I have a, I've got a question. And Julie, you'd probably be able to answer this question for me. I was like, okay. He said, now is the word transvestite offensive? When that came out of his mouth at my in-law's estate, so to speak, (laughs) I felt like lit and lifted. Like I felt like, oh, you know what I mean? Like gather around children. (laughs) So I was like all about the answer. I was fully engorged in my passion for our podcast and the knowledge base that I was going to bestow on this cis heteronormative man and all the homo sapiens that were sitting around suddenly gathered around ye campfire. (laughs) <laughs> and it was, you know, at a table at the pool. 
So I was like fully high and I was just like grabbing something to make it look like a mic. And I was just like, this answer is brought to you by the Fox and the Phoenix podcast, understanding the cross dressing. And I just like looked at everyone for their like, why she didn't, but they were just riveted. I was like, feminine cross dressing experience. It was like I was like about to give a speech, like slash be at that spelling bee in Washington. The word is spelled transvestite. T. No, I was like, the word transvestite is. And they're all like leaning in. And in my mind, they were really leaning in. And then I rephrased it. I was like, the word transvestite. It, it's. And I couldn't answer it. <gasps> and I just turned to him and I said, honestly, I don't know. And the crowd goes, <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> so to which I said, well, let me ask the peoples. <laughs> so I cr- literally like at the pool party with him next to me and everyone else just kind of the momentum was gone. They went back to, you know, this is the part of the movie where there was a freeze frame and now they're back to talking. And, you know, (laughs) James and I are on our own separate world, but I literally created a post and in an image with the words that says, when you hear the word transvestite, how do you feel? Hashtag, which I said to him, James, I'm going to do a hashtag because I want to be like the cool kids. I said, hashtag, let's discuss. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Sent it out into the world mm-hmm. and tons of comments flooded with comments. Now, I didn't think I didn't really think that it would be a hot topic that everyone would want to discuss or or a topic that we get a few bites on. But I don't know. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. And so as I'm preparing for this episode and unfortunately, once the comments came in, I mean, after I I sent it out to the social media gods, James and I did not, you know, stand by the phone and be like, okay, what do we have? We just kind of forgot about it. And I was like, I'll email you the results. And he's just Ah. like, okay, it was for some improv class, but okay. You know what I mean? We went our separate ways. But when I talked to you about this being a possible topic, like, I don't even think I got in like three words before you're like, this is the topic. I've done the research. I love it. I love it. So like this was very much in your wheelhouse and pocket. And I'm so excited for today. I know that you are to crack this word open. And as our listeners know, and I was, we've mentioned before words matter and words have a certain, you know, one word could mean something to someone. And then to the next person, it, you know, it could mean something totally different. But I'm excited to talk to you about it, mostly because you are really a big nerd when it comes to understanding. He, oh, look at you! Like what? Me? A nerd? How dare you? <laughs> when it cut nerd, 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 sweet. You're sweet because you have a ponytail. <laughs> when you're chuck. Okay. Anyways. You are really good about taking kind of a historical perspective and kind of pulling from all the the insight versus taking your opinion as what's going to be the material for the episode. So without Mm -hmm. further ado, let's, is that a word? Without further ado, yes. Yes. 
Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's discuss. Hot topic. (laughs) (laughs) So can you remind me again, what did the post say? Of course. When you hear the word transvestite, how do you feel? Ah, okay. So how do I feel? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you my experience growing up. Our listeners will have remember parts of this. I've talked about in the books too. And as you and I have discussed, my third book in the Living with Crossdressing series is going to be primarily about this topic, not just the historical relevance of the term of transvestite and crossdresser or tranny or whatever, but just its application, its actual application in real life. So that's kind of where I'm going with my research on it. But for myself, Growing up in the Midwest, Mm. as I was, I'm a 70s, 80s baby, born in the 70s. So I'm still a baby. Let's call it from 70 to 90. That's where my form, my formulation of what these words were to me developed. That's where they started. Right. Mm. So like when I was, and I did some research around the slurs and uh, the pejoratives of tranny and transvestite because when I was younger, it really instantly had that connotation. It's like, not that I like heard the word and then, you know, recognize it for what the word was, but it's like, it seemed like anytime I saw it in use, heard it in use, it was always a derogative term growing up. So imagine any word that you hear as a derogative like being a geek and being a nerd, funny you mentioned that earlier, in the 70s, 80s, if you were a geek or a nerd, that was a bad thing. Right. That already had a connotation of like, oh, you're just like some loner or some kid in a corner with a snot bubble or a okay. super, super brainiac that nobody likes, that you have no social skills. All those things were already kind of inherent because of right. all the young romantic comedies we grew up with in the 70s and 80s, where the nerd was always like the, the loner kid with braces who was socially awkward and couldn't get a date, a la 16 Candles. Breakfast Club, Anthony Michael Hall played both those type of roles in those films. And so nerd was always, to me, like a bad thing. So you did ever want to be associated with it. In the same vein, in those same years, anytime I heard the word tranny, it's not transvestite, but of course it is that slur derivative. Mm-hmm. In the 70s, 80s, like I didn't want to be associated with that. It's like everything I heard it was only on the back of those, those kinky magazines or only talked about as a bad thing. If you remember Silence of the Lambs, when it came out, Buffalo Bill was a tranny because he was skinning women to make a girl suit for himself because he wanted to be a woman. And of course, anytime I ever saw anything from Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho or Silence of the Lambs or Sleepaway Camp, uh, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation with, I think, Sandra Bullock and Matthew McConaughey showed uh, in that, in that movie showed Leatherface as like a crossdresser, like that he didn't understand his identity. That's why he was so mad to the world and he needed a chainsaw to cut people up. You know, Leatherface, Leatherface, yeah. Like the oh bad guy God. with the chainsaw was in that movie, you know, they were portraying that he wanted to be a woman. Mm. And so all these ideas and ideals, and that was kind of based at Ed Gein and his crazy grave robbing and making women's suits for himself. And that's a real life tale. 
all those things were what, like me being somebody who loves movies and television, all I saw was these people who had a disorder of some sort and they were trainees and, and men trying to be women. And that's all I knew, you know, booze and buddies, sure, Tootsie, sure, Missed Outfire, sure. But all these things were never a true portrayal of how I felt, but that's all I saw in the world. So the word transvestite, which I did equate instantly to cranny, those things all shaped like how I saw the words when I was growing up. Yeah. A lot of the comments that I got on Instagram certainly agreed with what you were saying as it it's an old term. And, you know, sometimes when I, when I hear it now, it feels like that someone's really out of touch. I wanted to read something from Lexi Moon Music. And she said, this word harkens back to a time when wearing the clothing of the opposite sex was considered taboo, at least way more than it is today. So it makes me feel ashamed, embarrassed, like some kind of pervert. Also makes me think of Rocky Horror, which again conjures images of sexual deviance and or cross-dressing as something to be laughed at, or at the very least, only something to be exploited for shock value. Mm. Yeah, that's very true too. Absolutely. Yeah, which reminds me of what you had mentioned a moment ago about these different movies Mm. and how when it showed men dressing as women, there was something to be achieved. There was, you know, either money to be made in terms of, you know, Tootsie or or a goal to be achieved in terms of Robin Williams. You've Janiya Doubtfire, dear. You know what I mean? There, <laughs> there was the intention to be with his children. And so I thought that comment kind of sums up and and has a great place for what we're we're talking about. Right. Well, speaking of Rocky Horror, that was a movie I had heard of but had not seen in my formative years and at the time was already like kind of a cult underground classic only shown like midnight shows, but you would see that in midnight, these kind of second run movie theaters along with night of the living dead. You know, you only could show it at midnight because they were X rated or whatever. So they all already had this kind of cultural zeitgeist of being part of an underground. So in that way, I, even without seeing it, but knowing what um, Frankenfurter looked like, knowing that it had this deviant sense to it, even in the film, it was had a, a sexual deviancy to it, uh, kind of like just in, in its inferences. So all those things bubbled up under the surface for me. So by the time I was really recognizing who I was mm-hmm. as a person, in my teenage years, of course, the sexual exploration and my hormones are raging. And I think we talked about this in episode 96, kink versus cross-dressing. Mm. It was an almost inherency as you're growing up, going through puberty, that if you have this, this association with dressing opposite your gender, you know, there was that kick to it. There was that charge to it. If that's in your head as you're growing up, like you can pretty much almost put yourself right in the shoes of somebody who says, Oh, you're doing it because it's just a sexual thing. Because growing up with it, it was a sexual thing. It was part of it. It was part of the whole package. And then all of a sudden you feel ashamed because, well, everybody's telling you that's wrong. You know, and then of course, to be a tranny is wrong and, and, and shameful and a kink. And all of a sudden you start hearing the word tranny versus transvestite. Cause again, in my head, I just thought those were the same things. 
that is just burned and burned and burned and put upon with all these other negative connotations. So of course, who would want to be associated with that word? Who would want to be associated with the longer word of transvestite? You know, I didn't know. I didn't know that tranny was not transvestite necessarily, but also transsexual. And it was used in the community as describing somebody shorthand. You know, I didn't yeah. know that growing up. I just knew it from my little Midwest experience that really didn't have much to it. And I think depending on the person who you're talking to, right, if it's offensive for them or not, I think asking, is this word offensive to individual people, you will get a slew of different responses. But I think also, if you think about friend groups, and you think about, in my personal experience of witnessing or observing gay male culture. There's a lot of, Hey girl, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But like, if, if, if someone who is not of that club or that card carrying member was to be like, Hey girl, I don't know how it would read <laughs> to me. It would be great because I've always been embraced and it, it would work, but I'm not sure. Like, for example, if I have a trans friend who refers to herself or refers to other people as tranny, now it doesn't feel as shocking, but when she did originally, it, it started the, the internal monologue working about like, if you are a card carrying member of whatever it is, and you're just talking about someone, have you been given the permission to just speak how you're going to speak? Because you own it, you own your experience, you've earned your stripes. You know, it's, it's like in the black community using the N word. I mean, that's something that works well within the circles earning the right to speak that language, or I know you and I have talked about certain things I say because I'm, I'm Jewish. I've had people, including you, I believe, who have said something and then later kind of came back and be like, was that okay that I said that thing? But often, as we're talking about in this episode, words have power to them and they have a cultural context to them and they have a history to them. And then you have someone that comes along, Maggie May 6116. When I, I'm going to read the comment, but when I heard this comment, it very much, I believe, speaks to the kind of person you are in terms of how you process words and you question, you know, why am I offended or why does this feel right? So I'm going to read it. I have no idea why transvestite is considered offensive by some who favor crossdressers. Considering the Latin origin trans meaning across and vesti meaning to clothe, the terms are virtually identical. One is as close to a literal translation of the other as it exists between the two languages. It's like saying etc. is bad, but and so on is just fine. Perhaps transvestitism, which was considered a medical disorder at one time. So any derivative is reminiscent and thus not favored. Ah, identical. (laughs) Do a little My Cousin Vinny uh, reference. Uh, Transvestite, cross-dresser, identical. And I love (laughs) the fact that like that comment caused other people who are academics, who are of that kind of mindset to go even deeper. And... Madeline underscore Kimber underscore says, it's interesting that the Spanish, Portuguese, Italians that follow on here, they often refer with travesty 
more than with any other words. These kind of debates around words are warranted, but I find they are often also so Anglo-centric, which is understandable seeing as native English speakers are only interacting with English language content, but also unfortunate because sometimes we miss out on a wider perspective. Yeah, it's very true. Actually, very much the the Romance languages, which have a lot stronger tie to Latin, won't see it as like this weird, weird medical jargon term that we use so much when we describe things in biology, botany, and genuses of classification of animals and all those things that we use those long Latin terms for. Yes, this becomes very sterile and clinical and transvestite sounds very, you know, I always thought it was very clinical sounding. Mm. And of course, because it's Latin derived and, and created and crossdresser just seemed like a very softer layperson's term for me to use, which is why I gravitated towards that. And I didn't like transvestite because it seemed clinical and also had Transvesta and Trainee both had that kind of connotation together and kind of they burned each other with the other points. So yeah, Crossdresser for me made sense because it was describing exactly what I was doing, which again, like your commenters said, it's the exact same word. It's just, you know, saying it in English versus in Latin. Um, So there's no difference, but I totally get how other native speaking persons would see it as less offensive because they're more used to usage of Latin terms uh, in everyday vernacular. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to say uh, to what you had mentioned about empowering the words back. Like you would know better than me by know on RuPaul's Drag Race, they are really using the term tranny in a way, trying to really demystify it, take the uh, derogatory component out of it and like take it back for the people. Tranny originally was a word used in the community, then somehow got culturally appropriated for everybody else who wants to use it as a slur. And now we're seeing this kind of trend to try to take that word back and take away its slur power and empower it positively. So I know there's been some criticism around RuPaul in their use of the word or trying to use it. But then also brings back to what you had mentioned about R&B singers and uh, rappers who were also trying to take the N-word back for themselves and re-empower it to the people it belongs to. And it's Um, theirs. And it's theirs. It's theirs to have and to own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, I guess, the white people that have a problem. You know, it's everyone else that's like, oh, you know, or or when people that aren't of that community try to destroy, just try to hold on to something that was never theirs to begin with. Right. RuPaul is in a a very interesting situation right now because his dream and intention for the show was so that, you know, the, the little, that little gay boy in the South or wherever you're living can, can watch the show and see someone that is very much like who they dream they are. Someone who says, wow, I can wear a dress and just be fabulous and still be me. But what's happening over the past couple of years, and I believe it's been going on for many more years than it's kind of been a public thing, RuPaul's kind of had to adjust the narrative just slightly and acknowledge is that many of the women, I I believe it was the last cast, not the all-stars, I'd say like 
four of the individuals that are that were on the show transitioned or were transitioning were and are trans females. And so to watch RuPaul kind of honor that experience as drag being used as a vehicle to express who we truly are or to find who we truly are, I think the word tranny should be accessible and is accessible to those who are trans. And even on a show like RuPaul's Drag Race, where they're trying to bring it back, it's theirs to use. But I I think with 2022, everything is being examined right now. Words and moments and phrases and even empowerment. I mean, empowerment. People can't really stand in their power without feeling like there's going to be some police or some sort of academic or some sort of counterculture to that that's going to take it away and say, we are a part of this. We're also a part of this. We're also female. So without getting too far off the subject, words are interesting. And the word transvestite is something that comes with a lot of history and kind of understanding the academic part of it it's knowledge. It shows a respect for the word and some history for the word. But as Lexi Moon said, the origins of the word make complete sense to me from an academic perspective. But the connotation became negative because it was used so often in an era when male to female cross-dressing was viewed so negatively. It is also one step removed from tranny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Going back to uh, words that we have to actually adopt for ourselves, and sometimes we don't because of the connotation. Like for me, the word queer was always a really derogative term as I grew up. To be queer was not a good thing when it came to people or a group of people. Um, And I'm finally starting to accept and be proud of being part of queer culture. So in that, it's sometimes it just takes time to come around to it. The other thing I want to say about the word transvestite, while I have very similar experiences to what others have had in terms of not liking it, I think somebody said it was fingernails on a chalkboard when they heard the term. Another one was it's gross. And I'm here to tell you, yes, I agree with you. That's how I was raised, believing it to be so. Uh, Not just because of the word transvestite, uh, but because of its affiliation with tranny, which was even a worse slur, which unfortunately just burns the base word even worse. Um, But what I want to say in my research of Magnus Hirschfeld, who in 1910, Magnus Hirschfeld coined the phrase transvestite. 1910, people. Wow. 1910. Over 100 years ago, this word was coined because it's Latin and it's a cross or over and dress or vestiges, clothing. Yes, the words make sense. And it became crossdresser here in the modern era. Era. But what I wanted to say is that in my research, I discovered that Magnus was such a huge supporter and medical purveyor and champion for anything that kind of surrounded the sexual experience. Uh, Primarily, he worked with homosexual men. But over his career, he 
just for people who may not have known, he was the one writing up medical prescription called transvestic passes, Mm. which, which I, which I find fascinating. And basically it was like a document you carried on you that if you were stopped by the authorities dressed as a woman and you're biologically male, you would present this pass that, uh, that told you that a medical professional said it was okay for you to dress this <gasps> way and you would not be taken to jail. That's because, amazing. Yeah. That's yes. amazing. Yeah. And when did that do? I want to say he that? started doing it in around 1915, 1918. And if, if again, my, my research to date, I believe he was still doing it through like 1930, uh, that there were these passes given out. This was in Germany, so mind you. Oh, it's fan, it fantastic. And just so like the more I heard and read and the more I saw this word transvestite, the more I became proud of it. I was like, yeah. God damn, this guy is making it work. 1900s, yeah. between 1910 and 1920, this man is saying and d- deciphering that sexuality didn't have anything to do with how you dressed against biology as well. And he was saying, no, these people have a need to dress this way. And knowing how society deemed it, he was producing these passports that said, no, this person needs to dress this way for however he defined it. I'll have to look up an actual pass or a facsimile of a pass, but it's, uh, yeah, amazing. I'm actually proud to be a transvestite because he knew it. He understood it even back then that it was just a manner of expressing your identity of your gender, not your sexuality. Yeah. I have so many thoughts bubbling up around this. The first thing I want to share is since I've known you, you've always been really comfortable with that term. And so that was something that kind of keyed me into the fact that it's not offensive because if Savannah is not offended, it is not on a general because <laughs> uh, she's the author of the Living with Crossdressing <laughs> book series. Buy it on Amazon today, people. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Shameless plug. Yeah, like being transgender, maybe being homosexual. I'm not sure. You'll have to correct me if you know the answer to this. Was at some point, still is, I I think it's been removed, seen as like a medical condition. What's fascinating for me is imagine if being gay was a medical condition, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine if like doctors everywhere could write some document so that when the cops were coming into this down low club and arresting all of the quote faggots or all the people that were committing illegal acts, you had this pass. You had a card being like, a doctor told me that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Or that this, and, and sure it goes against like be, you need permission to be yourself, but it, it, it's seen as like a protective thing, almost like a license or a, the right, the right to exist from someone that would trump maybe where society is or keep you safe in certain situations. Like I would love to kind of go back in time through some like virtual reality situation and be like, here's a card. You are safe. You know what I mean? Or like just that the movie watch party, to Wong food where Patrick Swayze is like getting pulled over, like just to be able to share the license as well as a medical card that says, 
not only do I give myself permission, obviously, but I am seeking quote treatment. Like it feels like it's like, not only am I seeking treatment, I mean, that feels really negative and like, it's not something to be treated. It's who you are, but like in this fucked up world, imagine if there was a little more protection. Sure. You didn't feel like a hundred percent human. Cause you had to go and see a doctor and be told that you're sick and, and all that, but with a strong sense of self and an overarching awareness of how horrible it's not great today. Let me just say that at all. But how horrible our past was, like, imagine, I don't know, I just think there's something really screwed up and glorious about the fact that in 1910 or ish or 1912, whenever this happened, that there was a document that you could show the authorities that would protect you. Mm -hmm. That's astounding. I mean, that's a whole episode in itself. The fact that transvestite, the fact that there was documentation that you can show authorities, it rocks my world because I'm like, when was that taken away? I don't know. This was uh, Germany uh, prior to World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a completely different society even back then. A couple of things I want to state, Hirschfeld, he looked in many, I didn't really dig into it too deep, but he said he visited human zoos. Not sure mm-hmm. what that meant, but he basically went and looked at other societies and other cultures, aside from Anglo, to prove that homosexuality in men and women was a part of culture and part of the human experience, even back then, knowing this was not a disorder. This was just a normal part of other cultures. The problem is the you know Euro, the Anglo-Saxons really made it more about what was, you know, quote unquote, religiously appropriate and looked down on any of these things that promoted homosexuality. So that was like the first thing that he was doing. And he was looking at that. Mm. And you had asked about disorder, transvestism. I'll just read this real quick. The oldest of the terms is considered a psychosexual disorder characterized by an erotic focus, again, erotic focus on clothing, whereas transsexuals are defined as individuals who have a gender identity that is at odds with the gender by which they are socially designated. Now, so you had asked about like the disorder component of it and like, why do we consider it like a medical issue? And again, we have mentioned this in previous episodes too, and I think it was in episode 95, I want to say, or 96, that we talked about in the DSM-5, transvestic fetishism or anything the transvestism always becomes a disorder only when it impacts your life negatively. So think about like somebody who's finding their self, finding their gender, finding who they're supposed to be. Are they in the wrong body? Are they dual? They need this expression to really stay balanced emotionally, physically, mentally. You know, those are things that you find your center. Versus those who use it, one, as an escape is fine. I think if you're using it healthily and you're cross-dressing to kind of escape stresses and responsibilities for a period of time so you can rebalance yourself. So you do that instead of going to the gym or meditating or whatever. I still think that's healthy and not a disorder. It really comes down to that when you do do it, you do it specifically for sexual release or satisfaction. Then when you are finished, you have this sense of shame for even doing it in the first place. 
Right. So I think that's a very, very fine point to make sure we have people understand is that the act of dressing, whether it has a sexual component or not, I think is fine in my personal opinion. But the problem comes in is that when you're done and you go back to your baseline existence, that you're completely filled with shame for what you have done versus having pride in who you are. So it's a fine line. I think people need to kind of investigate that because the disorder is about the disruption of your livelihood as a result of doing this specific act. Yeah. And I think it's tricky especially when it comes to kind of self-diagnosis and figuring out where you are after you dress and then you're kind of riddled with shame. I think that shame is historical. That shame is, is a perception that what you did is wrong. And, and the idea that feeling good presenting as the other gender is wrong. And I think for me at Fox and Hanger, one of the main opportunities I have to witness is kind of this self-esteem and this moving through the fact that after they dress, they can feel good. They can feel whole. They can feel, it's like giving, like, I feel like I'm giving the, them, them the permission to feel good. Um, I have a client right now that we're just kind of reviewing that self narrative around dressing and and cross dressing and they're processing it with me. So they have a a wife that is a big supporter, very much unwavered by the idea of them stepping out, wants to be a support, just doesn't know how to, and is not really into style and fashion, Never mind male to female transformation. So they're fully on board. So as we're kind of talking about this, They said to me, I just hate that I put my wife through this. And that is something that hurt my heart. And it's something I work really hard with my clients to kind of change that narrative. And it's it's a mindset shift. And as we're continuing to flesh out this topic with all the little subtopics that bloom from it, we come back to the idea. We are in charge of how we feel about ourselves and we are not in charge of anyone else's experience around us. We are in charge of getting to know ourselves and we are in charge of being kind to ourselves. And I think when a word like transvestite comes along, hopefully after this episode, it's just something that won't feel as much like nails on a chalkboard Mm -hmm. because we together as a collective have processed a a little bit, have flipped it a little bit, have gone there, communicated, have done the thing that many cross-dressers feel when stepping out, when coming out to their partner. We've cracked it open from this closed page and we're holding on to this truth about this word because it it reminds us of our past or what we learned about it and know that like, this is 2022 words have a different kind of angle to them, depending on a fresh perspective, depending on how you choose to take on the word. Are you going to leave this word as something that if anyone calls me that, or whenever I see that, or are you going to open it and say, okay, based on what I've learned today on the Fox and the Phoenix, 
I can understand how this word came to be. And I can understand how if someone sees me as that, or someone calls me that, or asks me if, if I'm offended by that, because that's always an important question to ask, maybe I'll have a different answer. Maybe I'll walk away from this, a different person around it. That's my hope. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful hope. I want to go back to what you had said, which was so true, is, is our shame, if we have shame after an episode addressing, is our shame something that we feel for ourselves or that society has made us to feel about ourselves? Mm-hmm. So very important to know where that shame is stemming from. Is it shame based on your religious upbringing that says you, sh- you shouldn't do it, so therefore every time you do do it, you have that feeling of failing your faith. Is it something you grew up with, with all those movies and televisions and all the the things that made cross-dressing a quote-unquote perceived bad thing? Therefore, every time you do it, you perceive it as a bad thing after you're done. And then you feel bad that you had to do it to begin with. For me, I would love for people to recognize the term transvestite to be really nothing different than the term homo sapiens. You know, how I is love it, that word, right? I mean, it's another Latin phrase that we all describe the species as. So why do we see that? Although I'm sure some people, if you call them a homo sapien, be like, what did you call me? How dare you call me a homo sapien? I love that. Sapien. Homo sapiens. <laughs> homo sa- I called you a ho- ho- homo, homo, homo sapien. <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of people would just hear the first part, but like, how dare you call me a homo Sapien. Um, <laughs> for me, it's like the term is just a medical term to describe something in really the most simplistic way. It really should hold no power other than to be like, if anybody were to say, you know, you're a transvestite. It's like, well, yes, it is uh, actually the Latin. That it pretty much just says dressing across genders. So thank you so much. Um, I also use the term crossdresser, which is kind of the English version of the same term. And all honesty, that's all we're doing. Again, it's an art form we use to express the other things about us that are much more important than that label, which I think some of the um, respondents did say. Why do we need to even look at it? Why do we need to accept that as our label or be concerned about it as a label? And it really is about we need to take the power of the word, which it does have power, but in a positive way, because if transvestite and crossdresser are just saying that I am dressing across genders, then that's all the power it has. It's just a very simplistic moniker. And it really doesn't say anything about us other than what people perceive it means. And maybe that's when you know you and I come in, do a little educating, do a little being visible examples, and just show that it's all good. Well, this I mean, there's so much to say about this episode that I think it would be only fair for our listeners and for us, really, <laughs> if we stick a pin in this and continue on in another episode next week. Wait, so you don't want to make this a two-hour episode? I mean, I think that it's only fair, especially considering <laughs> you and I have done so much research and so much work for this that we just kind of slice it and return next week and finish it up. Well, you know, you are the smarter of the two of us. So Mm -hmm. I definitely will defer to your brilliance. Um, I will say thank you so much for 
uh, bringing up this topic, or I should say James as well, yes. for uh, <laughs> having you do a little EF Hutton move poolside and then being I, like, then being like, uh, I, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I really went in really confident and ready to school the peeps, but I really <laughs> did not have the answers. And that, I, I mean, that's a testament to our podcast where we're not here to always know the answers, no. but I thought I was pretty confident entering this one, but I'm, I'm glad that it was my misinformation or my, <laughs> I don't want to use the word ignorance because that has a very negative tone to it. But my, I just didn't know my cluelessness around this yeah. word and what it means. It, it didn't feel like something that was mine to even know about or to, or to have an opinion of. And that's what I've really come away with for this episode and kind of deciding to workshop it with you and all the peoples that have contributed and to all of our listeners was that it really wasn't my story to tell. It wasn't my my word to have an opinion about. And yeah, it's been a great episode. So I'm yeah, glad that so we're going to continue. So far. I mean, so far. We got, we got more to go for yes. sure. And I'm all about it. And then jumping right back into the thick of it when we come back. So to that, I say, again, thank you to our listeners who participated. Thank you to James for even asking the question, being curious enough to ask. And you'd be like, "Eh, eh, eh, I got this. And then be like, I don't got it. I should ask someone else. It (laughs) It just shows that it's okay if you don't know the answer to not make up the answer you think you know, but to to research it and ask people who may have a better understanding. That's always the right way to go. I agree. And, and it's okay. This is something my therapist said years ago and it kind of stunned me (laughs) and that it's okay to just say, I don't know. (gasps) A hush goes over the crowd. (laughs) Yes. It is okay to say, I do not know. And to let that be okay. Or if you, if it bothers you enough or you're curious enough, you know, ask a friend who maybe does know, or maybe be on a podcast and just ask a bunch of friends <laughs> what they think and feel about it and discuss. But it's okay not to have all the information. So, our dear listeners, let's just say goodbye for now and until next time. So, I'm also going to say goodbye for now. <laughs> I forgot my line. <laughs> so, it's okay. I, I mean, we're over 100 episodes now, so I can totally I know. How I was so in the pocket. Right. how things work. <laughs> Let's try it again. Okay. <laughs> so to my dear listeners, I say, bye for now. And I will say, until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor, copyright 2022. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends, tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening, 
give it a five-star rating, or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.